Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Chopper Podcast, episode 328. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. I was hoping this week would be a fairly clear cut episode, honestly, um, just because, you know, I went to PAX and I thought PAX would be like a good, solid one episode thing. But then kind of a lot happened between <laughs> between uh, the last episode and, and now, uh, the last episode that I recorded regularly. If you remember last week, I recorded that a while ago. Um, so I'm here and back and there wasn't that many news stories I missed while I was actually gone. Um, however, there was a state of play in Nintendo Direct that happened on the same day. Again, we're not going to spend too much time. I'm going to save those for last as well, just because I know those are fresh in everybody's minds. Um, but then also, uh, there's just a lot of little things that happen with me everywhere. So I thought I would talk a little bit about those things. And, uh, I'm going to try to just kind of do a loosely structured episode this week because uh, instead of like breaking up the news and impressions and games talk, I, I just think this week is going to be better for us to just go with the flow and, uh, and stuff like that. But, um, the first flow, my nose was flowing. Uh, because, uh, I, uh, got COVID while I was out, which, you know, I did travel to, uh, 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 two big events and, uh, that is maybe not too surprising. Um, so that was, uh, exciting and that knocked me out for like, <laughs> for, for probably around like, like between Monday and Thursday, really Friday was the first day I started feeling better. Um, and even now I still have a cough and I don't know how my voice sounds to you guys, but I'm guessing it sounds just a little bit off, but I think definitely by the next time I record for you guys, I'll be back, back to a hundred percent, but definitely threw a wrench in my, my return, uh, week at the very least. So, uh, I tried to keep things fairly, uh, uh, light overall. Um, however, Friday I did do, uh, a couple things. Uh, I played, uh, some, uh, more Arkwrights Fantasia. I tried to like just dump a ton, a ton of time into that. And I probably put another like 10 or so hours in. So I went from like, I think 22 ish to 23 ish hours up to about 32, 33 ish hours. So we're almost there. I mean, we're not almost there. We're like halfway there. Um, I'm, I'm grinding now again because that game is pretty heavy on the grind. So, um, but I'm really liking that game a lot. I'm really enjoying the story and things like that. So I'm looking forward to eventually, you know, recording something. If it's just like a podcast, uh, impressions thing and eventually getting a video up there about that. Um, I don't think it would be something that I'd do like a scripted video for. I mean, I never know a lot of times, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'd say probably unlikely. Um, the other thing I did was I played uh, some more Final Fantasy XI. Uh, I got my very first Dunes party, which if you don't know anything about Final Fantasy XI, the Valkram Dunes are these dunes that you go to. And it's kind of the first part of the game that you're expected to work with other people. I mean, you definitely can do it earlier than that. Um, but despite, you know, Final Fantasy XI being a very, like, cooperation and party-oriented game, um, really the only time it, it starts really becoming beneficial is around the time you go to that area. To, to go level. So I did that and I formed my own party, which was a little scary because I didn't know what I was doing. It's been, you know, probably a decade and a half since I made a party in Final Fantasy XI, right? Um, so I was able to do that. And thankfully, there's enough people there to help me, like, figure out where we need to go for camps and things like that. But overall, it was it was pretty good. And, and I had a good time 
Um, everybody at the end complimented the group. So, so that was fun. Um, they, I, one thing they mentioned was just like, they're like, this is the most I've had people talk to me in like a week on this game, which, um, I think part of that might be, I mean, I'm a, a loud mouth, but I think part of it as well with me being a loud mouth is that like, I, the setup I have for Final Fantasy 11 right now just makes it very difficult for me to do anything else while I play Final Fantasy 11. Um, to some degree, that was an accident, but at this point, it's, like, somewhat intentional. Um, but uh, it, it means that, like, when I'm partying, I'm just, like, sitting there. I'm just staring at that screen. So, like, I I am the one who's going to talk because I'm just sitting there, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about what's what's next and things like that and, and you know, ask people thoughts. Like, oh, like, hi, did you guys, when did you guys end up playing this game, right? I mean, this is only, like, really is a conversation probably for the first time I really party up. But, like, just, like, figuring out, like, the different eras people played the game and stuff like that, which was kind of interesting. I didn't get a ton of details because, honestly, Final Fantasy XI has, like, a fairly, not strict text limit, but they don't want you to dump a whole paragraph in the, the game. So they, they limit you down to me, like, a, a sentence or two uh, at most, most of the time. So... Um, but I just chatted about and, and seemed like people appreciated that. So I don't know. It was a good time, though. I had fun. And then uh, I, I went over to the other like nation and stuff and started leveling my there's a thing called sub jobs in Final Fantasy 11 where you can have a, a support job. So you pick a warrior and you want to like have some monk skills. You can set monk as your, your support job and get some of their abilities and things like that. So I went and started leveling a thief for now, though I might end up leveling monk as well, just because I realized thief probably isn't going to make a lot of sense at this point um, in the game, at least with how far I plan to take warrior for right now. So that was a good time. Um, and yeah, we'll see how things continue to go with that. But uh, that was my first successful party play on horizon that wasn't just a friend i already knew <laughs> so so yeah that was kind of exciting so but um oh and i also played jam with the band on the plane but i don't have a lot to say about that i didn't end up playing it nearly enough to feel particularly good about talking about it um i'm on the fence of whether or not i'll continue to play it right now i'm at the point where i think i would like to take a a, a little bit of a break from arc rise fantasia and play something that has a little bit more of a shorter loop to it um, but, uh, the problem with Jam with the Band is I feel like that's a game that's asking for a lot of repetitive play. It's a rhythm game, but it's like a rhythm game that's built around rankings rather than like something with like novelty or story or things like that. Right. Uh, not like a dog of bay or something like that. So I ended up, uh, uh, kind of thinking I'm going to probably just shove that to the side for now, maybe come back to it later. Um, and, and maybe knock out some, uh, short Wii games that I've been like sitting on for a while, like the Barbie and the three Musketeers and also the Transformers game and things like that. There's a bunch of games that are like just two to three hours long. And I could do it in the afternoon. I just haven't done it yet. So I might end up doing a little bit of that for a week or so before I jump back into Arkwright's Fantasia again. So. Anyways, that was what I ended up playing. Uh, I also did put out two pieces of content, although one I wrote a long time ago. Um, the I think I mentioned to it on you or to you guys a couple weeks ago at the very least. Uh, I submitted an article uh, to a magazine called Aporia, which is like a small independent video game magazine, um, and they accepted my uh, post for that. So I was happy to get that in there, and they sent me the contributor copy, so I got that in the mail. 
Uh, I don't know if they're selling any more physical copies. I know they're like down to like the last three or so, but you know, he doesn't make that many. I think it's like, you know, 10 or 15 copies he ends up making. So they don't sell out super fast. And uh, unfortunately, I think this is the last issue that he's going to do for now. Um, so I was glad I got in there at least for one, <laughs> one of them. Um, but yeah, I wrote an article that, uh, uh, in the magazine is titled how to arm C4 explosives and massage women with motion controls, which is my call of duty and center Kagura reflections, uh, <laughs> motion control article, uh, basically talks about like waggle and things like that and what that did to the Wii. And then like ex- situations where, when I, kind of did the opposite of waggling and kind of over-invested in the game's motion controls, how it improved the experience I had with like connecting with the game and things like that. So that's what that article's about. Um, and so that's in there. Uh, when I put the post up notifying people on my, my website, when I started typing that title in, I was like, this is probably going to get me on a list. <laughs> so I uh, ultimately changed the title of my website. But in the article itself, it's still that. So hopefully it doesn't impact him at all. <laughs> but that was that was uh, what the article and the thing ended up being called. So that was kind of fun. So uh, if you are interested in that, definitely go check that out. There's a few other articles in there about um, there's like a Game Boy RPG in there. I think it's called Greed or something like that. Um, and it's like somebody's fascination with like this one particular character in there. Um, there's another article that was like for Iki, the like uh, arcade farmer game thing. Um, and kind of a little bit of that, their legacy and things like that. And there's also some art from like Elena. Elena, we, we did a podcast forever ago with Elena uh, for Lost Kingdoms 2. And we kind of talk about Lost Kingdom 1 as, as well, specifically. But um, she did some art in there for different games she games and stuff. So that was pretty neat. So that's out there. Um, again, it's on my website if you want to go check that out. Uh, and uh, you can go get a copy. I think it's only like $5 dig- digitally. So if you want to read that, go ahead and go. Uh, physical, if it's still in stock, I think it's like $10. I don't remember if there's shipping costs with that or anything like that. So... Anyways, that was neat, and I was uh, happy to get that in there. Um, I was looking around at maybe doing some other uh, posts somewhere, but I haven't fully decided if I'm going to do that. One website I was looking at was looked like a volunteer website kind of thing, so I would need to figure out, like, A, what would fit with them, B, what I want to spend time on, and C, making sure, like, I limit the time I spend on it so I'm not spending a ton of time on it, especially as a volunteer thing. Um, things like that. So anyways, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm always thinking about doing more things and, you know, that doesn't always necessarily mean that will happen. Um, I've been thinking a lot about streaming again recently, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, the other thing I did and I put this out, I actually finished up most of this work before I left, um, um, uh, for PAX, I think. Uh, and I put out a video called the Xeno game for everyone. Hackox. Um, which if you don't know, Hackox is a puzzle game in Xenosaga Episode 3. So I made a video about that, how it's one of my favorite puzzle games. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons why it's one of my favorite puzzle games. And I think I generally kind of got to the point of like what makes Hackox work for me versus a lot of other puzzle games. So that is out. And uh, I did pretty well for like, especially a Xeno video. If you don't know, Xeno videos on my channel do not particularly perform well. Um, most of the time, with the exception of Xenoid Chronicles 3, uh, they kind of... St- st- I'd say like maybe get like uh, 50 views and then they kind of die out and then they very slowly build up views from there. I think my old Xenoblade Chronicles 2 review still is only like 100 something views, but I mean, that's an old, 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 old video. So Um, anyways, but uh, yeah, it is is not a topic that is very hot on my channel, which is why I probably always kind of hesitantly talk about it (laughs) Um, and they get a lot of dislikes a lot of times. So 
Uh, but yeah, this video turned out pretty well and uh, didn't get a ton of traffic, but it got like 150 to 200 views for the first like 48 to 72 ish hours. Um, and it was like a consistent climb was the big thing. That was the big thing I was looking at. I was like, this is still going around, which is really nice. So um, we'll see if it actually succeeds. I mean, a lot of that stuff, it's hard to know like what the long term run will be. Right. Um, usually stuff that is like very um, focused around specific events, just kind of have a quick burst and then that's kind of it and they're done. Um, but then when you have videos that kind of follow outside of that context, I feel like it's more of a slow burn. Um, and, and generally, uh, is usually what ends up being the higher viewed uh, videos on my channel, but they tend to take three, four, five years to get to the point that they're like at that level. So, I mean, like the Buddy Mission Bond video, I think is still at like a little over a thousand or something like that. It's not, it's not very high last I remember checking it. So that's just how it is on this channel though. I mean, we're writing like about puzzle games buried deep within the third entry of a JRPG that's known for being like incredibly dense and obtuse, right? So <laughs> like, like well, I'm not doing myself any favors with these topics that I choose. So, um, but I got some really nice uh, uh, thumbnail art from Cargadin and commissioned her for that. So that was very exciting as well. So if you want to go check that out, that is up again. You can just go to the website. It will be there. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what I ended up doing in my, my time, um, since I got back or, or right before as well. Um, but otherwise just been like COVID recovery for the most part. And, um, just like trying to deal. I feel like, the, I feel like while like I have felt more sick in my life, I don't know if I've ever felt more winded in my life while I was sick, which was kind of interesting. Cause it was like, I would just kind of get up and like not have the energy to do anything. Um, so a lot of times I feel like when I'm sick, I usually end up working through it and I just had a really hard time with this. There's one day that I did like a few hours, four hours just of work. Um, but, uh, ended up just kind of like feeling really gross after it. So anyways, we're going to go through some of the stuff that I did at like packs and things like that. And we'll just kind of go through that. Um, I'm going to mix in some random other things in here as well. Occasionally I'll let you know when that happens, but, um, yeah, I went to packs as my very first packs. That was interesting. Um, which is more or less just, you know, big game convention kind of thing. Um, the closest thing I've ever been to is GameStop Expo, probably. And that was like in 2017 or something like that. I think it was like Yakuza 6 was coming out or something like that. But anyways, um, so I went there um, and there's not a lot to say about the event itself. I feel like it's just, I mean, I, I mostly just went around and played demos. There wasn't like, I mean, there's like panels and things like that. But the couple I went to, they filled up on. It was a very busy show. Um, so most of what I did during the event was do, uh, uh, just various game demos and things like that. Um, so I'm just going to go through a handful of these, uh, Dragon Quest, uh, Infinity Strash was there at the Square Enix booth. Um, I think the only thing that demo really did was just kind of like put the final nail in the coffin for that for me. I just, I don't know. I just don't find like anything interesting about the game. And, uh, while the combat feels like fine and dandy, um, it doesn't feel any way like unique enough for me to care about for the most part. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't enjoy it if I played it. It's just not really on my like interest level anymore. So at this point, infinity strash is off the books of my, my uh, interest unless like way down the line, I find it super cheap and like feel up for it. But I have dragon quest treasures that I still have not played. And that would be like significantly more interesting to me to go play at this point. Um, I went and played uh, Project Anomaly. Um, this is a like yokai watch 
camera game kind of thing. A yokai watch. A yokai camera game um, where you like go around town and you like solve mysteries, but you use like a camera to take pictures of different yokai and talk to them and like solve uh, little cases and things like that. I thought it was like really cute. It, it, it has this like kind of like spooky ghost kind of thing to it, but all of them always have like, not always, but like a lot of them, the demo at the very least, um, typically have kind of like a, a fun side to that character and things like that. Like maybe the most visibly like notable thing of like how this works is like, there's that, that girl from the ring or whatever, the, the like uh girl with like the black hair that comes down and she's like, I think she has like her mouth open, like teeth are showing and things like that. And they're sharp. And then, um, I forget what you do, but when you like talk to her, she like just turns into like a anime girl basically and so it's like that kind of thing of like visually that's the most representative of how the character dynamics works i feel like most of the time it's like all dialogue stuff but every character tends to be a little bit more like fun and light going than you expect it to be so that was that was kind of fun just a little slow um and it was not really a great game to demo at pax in my opinion um but i think the pack the demo is available on steam as well if you want to check that out uh, I played Ebenezer, the invisible world. This is like a, uh, I forget what Ebenezer's from, um, the Christmas Carol or something like that. I don't know. Let's the Ebenezer Scrooge guy, that guy. Um, and like the ghost or whatever. Um, anyways, so, uh, Ebenezer in the invisible world, uh, is like a Castlevania, uh, kind of clone. And it, it feels a little bit more in line with that because I think aesthetically it has more of like that dark gothic kind of look to it um when it comes to the background designs and things like that uh but the characters themselves are a bit more colorful i will say um it is kind of interesting though because basically the game has like ghost companions basically and those ghost companions give you different abilities and things like that so um i didn't love it uh but i do like the like christmas aesthetic to it which i appreciate um and and the uh the guy who's doing the demo seemed um seemed like a pretty cool guy too i don't know why i just brought him up but he was there <laughs> he was doing the demo um so yeah that's all i got to say about that prince of persia the lost crown uh this was that 2d prince of persia game that got announced um it reminds me a ton of castlevania uh what's it called mirror of fate is that what it's called on the 3ds it very much feels like a game that's trying to create that kind of like character action god of war like and uh castlevania lords of shadow feeling in a 2d uh environment kind of thing but the movement was really good the combat felt really good the game just moved really smoothly i was playing the switch version of it and um and it played really well so that game seems seems like really good overall um, I don't think I'll play. I don't have a lot of connection to the Prince of Persia world itself. Um, I think I would rather play Prince of Persia 3D on the Dreamcast at this point if I was going to play a P Prince of Persia game. Um, but uh, I thought it was like really cool. And I think it's definitely something worth looking at if that's like something that's ca caught your attention. I think I also would rather play Castlevania Mirrors of Fate at this point just because like the story stuff of Mirrors of Fate I'm a lot more interested in than whatever is happening in Prince of Persia The Lost Crown and things like that. And uh, maybe the last, uh, maybe not the last actually, but I think the last one on this like list of individual games I'm just kind of jumping through here is uh, Like a Dragon, The Man Who Erases Name, which if you don't know is the Yakuza series. I wonder when I'll get to the point where I don't have to sit there and say the Yakuza series. Maybe we're at that point and I just feel like I'm holding on still. 
Sorry, my throat's messed up, and I'm just going to continue to drink water, and I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> um, so, um, so uh, that that really kind of caught me off guard um, because it did not play as much like a Yakuza game as I thought it would play. I mean, it's definitely a Yakuza game. Don't get me wrong, or like a Dragon game. Um, but like Kiru has like different gadgets and things like that. So when you're fighting in combat, it feels like you're doing more than just combos and things like that. However, I don't necessarily 100% know if those gadgets, um, felt like they were well implemented into the combat. They felt kind of like separate elements to combat. And I kind of wish that they were more directly integrated into Kiru's moveset. Um, I will say that it seemed like it was very easy to spam gadgets in the demo. I don't know if they have infinite energy or anything like that. Um, but, uh, it just kind of felt like it was a little too easy to sit there and just like use the lasso, um, one, just keep spinning enemies around and things like that. But, um, the demo took place on some kind of like a freight ship that had like a casino on it. Uh, I tried to ask the person at the demo booth if that was like the main setting for the game. But once I actually saw the demo itself, it, it was pretty clear that it was way smaller than like a, what a main setting could be. So if most of that game is set in Camarocho, I kind of still don't care about that game. Uh, but at least the the boat casino thing or whatever was like a fun environment and that was like a fun place to to look at that game. But um, I still need to understand more about that game before I have any real interest in it. But the reality is at this point, there's so many other Yakuza games I'd rather be playing that uh, I probably won't actually get to this one ever. But hey, it caught my interest. I thought it looked neat. And um, if you are looking at modern Like a Dragon games you want to play, uh, it seems like it's going to have at least some interesting gimmicks um compared to uh like the last yakuza game that was like in that style because you know um yakuza like a dragon or whatever um the is a rpg series now technically uh as far as i can tell so at least i think eight is going to be doing the same thing i'll be curious how long they stick with that format if they stick with it long term and, and how i don't know how the fans reacted to that or not um if that impacted sales at all or anything like that so Any creates had a booth. I played a bunch of stuff there, but we're just going to talk about two. Uh, the most important ones, Umberclaw. Umberclaw is the latest game that they, well, not latest game, but latest 2D platformer that they announced. Um, and this features like a little cat. But what's interesting about this game is that it kind of has a um, death mechanic, similar to like how the Gunvolt series is a death mechanic, where if you die, you come back as like a powered up Gunvolt um, or you have a chance to. And um, in the case of Umberclaw, every time you die, you get a new power unlocked and you have nine lives. And after the end of the nine lives, you get a game over or whatever. Um, and so it's kind of this interesting thing where like the more you die, the more capable you become as a character. Um, but obviously as a as a, a player who's trying to, you know, get through without taking damage, at least um, you'll end up in situations where you're going to be fighting these bosses with solely one mechanic which is dashing through their attacks, draining their energy. And then once you get enough energy, you'll use that to basically one shot kill the boss, as far as I can tell from the demo. Um, and I don't have a problem with that, but I did have a friend that was there that they were saying they just wanted to play with the powers. They didn't really like the initial cap form or whatever. So I can definitely understand that. It'd be nice to see if like in the future, because like if you don't know, once you get past a certain number of deaths, you become like an anthropomorphic cat. So you're like a humanoid kind of cat thing. 
um, and that has a much significant, much more significant move set. However, you know, because it is like a a more traditional action game at that point, then the boss takes multiple hits to die and things like that, rather than just the one hit. So um, it, it will be interesting to see if they offer different like play styles and things like that for that. But I thought the game like felt pretty good overall. The only real problem I had is that some of the abilities, when you don't have all of them, don't feel like they chain together very well. However, when I was watching other people play, depending on what abilities they got, some of those abilities were better at like leading into each other and things like that. So it seems like depending on how you die uh, or like what skills you get when you die, um, it can have an impact on just like how playable you are throughout that process. And I don't know if there are only nine abilities total. So like if you always die and get to nine, you'll be fully powered or if there's like random sets of abilities you get and like there's more than nine. And so you may not necessarily be have all the abilities even right before you die kind of thing. So, so that's really cool though. I'll definitely uh, check that out whenever it comes out, but there's no release date as far as I'm aware. I'd assume probably 2024 for that. Johanne, this is the love live game. I'm a little less, uh, I guess excited about this. This is, um, more in the line of like maybe the Gal Guardians kind of game, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of like all these like action side scrolling uh, games that vaguely look like Castlevania <laughs> are, are, is just like, and he creates is just doing a bunch of these now for some reason. <laughs> but um, Curse of the Moon just did really well for them. <laughs> um, anyways, but uh, uh, in the case of, of Johanne. Um, it basically has, uh, the ability for her to like call the characters in the love life squad. So that's kind of where the love life aspect comes into play. Um, and what happens is you'll drop a character down and then they'll do a different ability or something like that. Right. So they will do like a little swipe and then they go away. Very like kind of, we're talking about lost kingdoms really very lost kingdoms. Like where you just kind of like summon a character to do something. Basically you seem to only be able to have one character on screen at once. And certain characters have these abilities that, are um maybe uh maybe the best way to put it is like keeps them on screen for a long time so like if they do like a little roll that they kind of roll until they hit a wall or go off screen if they hit the wall and they get like dizzy and fall over and stuff like that all that time you can't really act much as the player so you're just kind of like dodging a lot of times um so it's this kind of weird dynamic where you are using skills and some of these skills required to be up fairly close but you're really mostly dodging as a player. You're not really doing a lot of attacks on your own. You do have like a, a, a R trigger move that you can do. And in the case of the demo, it's just like a giant axe that would come down. Um, but it, it really seemed like your companions were going to be the the main uh, main moveset there. Um, I only I think they opened up the menu when I was there, and it was only about I'm trying to think. It might it might just be a direction on the D pad for each character. So it's up and then also like diagonal. So how many inputs is that? That's like four, eight. So I think it's like eight characters that were mapped to that menu. I don't know if that's the maximum number of characters that are in that game or not. Um, there was like a thank you screen that had like a whole list of characters on it. I don't have it up in front of me. So I don't know if that's the only sets of characters in there, um, but I am curious about it. It's just a very slow feeling game. The slide on the ground feels a little weird as well. I don't know. There's a lot of things about the game that I don't necessarily know I like that much. Um, but aesthetically, it looks okay. So, I don't know. It is uh, definitely on the lower end of interest for me when it comes to um, Gunvolt or uh, any creates in the games they're making. But um, it's not. I'm not entirely disinterested in it. So, 
Uh, I may eventually get it. It just might be, you know, further down the line instead of uh, immediately here kind of thing. So, um, I did buy Gal Gun Double Piece when I was there. Double, uh, not, sorry, not Double Piece. Gal Gun Returns, which is the remake of the original Gal Gun. After the whole Valkyrie Chronicles 4 discussion I had about the, um, the Summer Beach episode thing and like trying to be a little bit more accepting of that stuff in my own personal life and things like that, um, I decided Gal Gun would be maybe another good place to go look for that kind of thing. And I, I have always wanted to get around to trying Gal Gun at some point. Um, I don't have a strong or maybe it's a, I should say a positive opinion on it. Um, not so much because of the whole like thematic thing of it, of like, you know, going around and, you know, if you don't know, Galgun is a game that's like, I don't know, vaguely horny is probably the right word. Um, but it is like going around and like shooting uh, high school girls, like pheromone guns. And you're like trying to keep them away from you. So you can go find your true love or whatever. Um, but it is uh, it, the, the, the double piece one that I played on PS4 briefly when I played the demo they had at um, PRGE in like 2016. I thought it felt really slow and I, I was not a huge fan of how it felt to play. So um, I think, I can't remember for sure. I think returns on switch might have gyro controls. I don't hundred percent know if that's the case, um, but if that is on there, I'm going to utilize those, I think. So, um, but yeah, it, uh, I, I picked that up and it wasn't that expensive. They sell at their booth, just like Japanese copies of all their games. If you don't know, like any creates games usually go through limited run games and things like that. And, um, limited run games just doesn't like produce copies in like a very, uh, timely fashion. And, you know, often they'll, they'll, I don't want to say underproduced, but usually the co- those games will get, start getting more expensive over time. And so it's always just easier to get a Japanese copy. And any create seems to be totally fine with you just buying their Japanese copy in the U.S., basically. Um, so I, I bought that. Um, and and so it should go ahead and load up the, um, what's it called? English version on there, as far as I can tell. So um, I talked to the CEO a little bit when he was there, Aizu. Um and uh, my friend was talking to him and I just kind of butted my nose in. I probably shouldn't have, <laughs> but I kind of just butted my nose in. Um, and uh, I asked him about um, Any Creates license games. If you don't know Any Creates, previously used to do a lot more like licensed projects. I mean, Yohane is a licensed project as well. Um, and technically Mega Man is a licensed project for them too. But, you know, stuff like the Kaito Joker game we played on stream a while ago, um, the Power Rangers game on the Wii, things like that. Um, and I just kind of asked him, like, you know, what was his, and, and generally just, like, the team, if he had a, a sense of it, um, what were their favorite licensed games to basically work on or what their favorite games were out of that bunch. Um, and he said his favorite games out of the um, ones that they worked on that were licensed were the Shin-Chan games. He did not specify a specific game, um, but there's, like, a 3DS one, a GBA one, but all of them are kind of, like, side-scrolling 2D platformers. And he, he thinks those are the best ones they made out of that, those groups. Um, and then he said the one that probably was the best for the company in terms of like, you know, they generally like, just have liked working on was the uh, uh, Naruto game, um, which is like a super deformed Naruto game. And actually, I had been, oh, Vink has had a copy on his website for a while, I'm pretty sure, or at least I I seem to recall seeing it there before multiple times. And um, I was, uh, I had to order some stuff from Vink anyways, because of, um, the upcoming, uh, I, I ordered the X68000 collection from Beep. So um, he's going to get that at some point, and I need to set up a box to get all my stuff shipped in. So I, I went ahead and ordered some stuff through that, and more, that was one of the things I threw on there. So, um, 
But yeah, so that was like kind of interesting to hear about. And um, I ended up buying a Shin Chan game on 3DS. Um, but or no, I didn't buy. It. I asked him to look for it for me. I don't know if he's gonna find it or not. We'll see. Um, but uh, it's not the Shin Chan game that um, um, any creates worked on. I think this game looks way more interesting. So, um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, so that was uh, stuff I said with Izzy. Sorry, my brain's starting to wander. I, I still kind of just feel out of it. Um, but we're, we're moving on. We're, we're getting there. Uh, also not relate to PAX, but, uh, any crates announced the Gunvolt rhythm game officially, officially. Um, I'm kind of interested in it because it seems to use the analog sticks to do some notes and things like that. So I think that's kind of an interesting novelty. I forget when they said it's coming out. Um, but, uh, it's like $15 digital and then you can buy all the DLC or you can get a physical for basically essentially full retail price is it's cheaper it's probably closer to like a 40 dollars video game physically especially if you're like importing it minus the shipping costs and things like that um so i might pick that up we'll see um the gunvolt music's generally pretty good i think it's all with the they have like idols in the gunvolt universe and things like that so anyways there's our any creates corner off thrown to the side that kind of stuff um and i think i played way more at pax i will say but I think I just am going to focus on those games that I've mentioned already at this point and just leave the rest off the table. Sorry, I would have liked to go through everything, but I'm 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 all right. <laughs> right now, I'm just trying to get through this episode. <laughs> uh, oh, at PAX, I did play a couple arcade games, though. Uh, they had an EXA machine there. Um, so I played uh, Dynamite Bomb because that was there. That was really fun. Um, and then also I played Samurai Showdown 64, and I, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, when I was um, doing some stuff later in Chicago, which we'll get into. I played the most recent Samurai Showdown too. Um, and uh and I really enjoyed that too as well. Like I, I think I generally like the kind of more slower pace of the Samurai Showdown um combat. Uh so I don't know if that means I'm gonna go to continue to pursue Samurai Showdown at this point. I do not have any Samurai Showdown games in my life at this moment, but uh I really enjoyed the time I spent with those. I just kind of like light, medium, heavy hits, but um, it seems like it's a, le- a lot less combo focused and more about kind of opening up uh, the other player to hit him with a heavy hit kind of thing. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, anyways, that's all for packs. That is all I'm going to say at the very least. My my voice is starting to die, so I just want to get through the rest of this episode. <laughs> Vintage Computer Festival 2023. I went to that. That was in Chicago. Um, just went there with some friends. Uh, and my expectations were to go there and look at some computers and go, yep, those are some old computers. And I looked at some computers and they were old computers, confirmed. Um, the, I think the only thing that really stood out to me was just like somebody was like collecting weather broadcasting machines and things like that. And that's just one of those things I like would have never thought of to collect. So um, I think that's interesting because, you know, they have to get up and running and figure out how it works and things like that. I think that's the more interesting part of it, honestly, rather than just collecting them. It's just like buying these machines that have a very specialized purpose of displaying weather broadcast stuff. So that was kind of interesting. Somebody also had like um, some kind of like cable box thing, but I don't know exactly what it was. So I don't, uh, let's not get into that because I don't even know how to begin describing what I was looking at with that. I mean, I know... Uh, well, I'm shutting up. <laughs> so that's really all I had to say about that. It was a cool show overall, minus probably giving me COVID at that show. Uh, L- LRG, L- Lazy Game Reviewer, LGR. Um, he was there uh, and he also got COVID apparently. So very fun times. Um, I'm sure there are people at PAX that got COVID as well. <laughs> so... Um, and then uh, the other thing we did in that uh, area was we went to Galloping Ghosts. 
um, which if you don't know is a huge arcade there, which is like in a place that you would not think there'd be a huge arcade. It's just like a random like strip of like buildings. Like one of them was abandoned and all that stuff. And and like for some reason, Galloping Ghost like bought up like five of the buildings down there and they have a gym down there and stuff or whatever. But anyways, they have like a whole like pinball building. Pinball building was not that huge, but it still had a lot of interesting stuff in there. Then they had an arcade building that probably had, you know, five to six arcades worth of games, if not more, honestly. It was like the space of maybe five to six arcades, but then they just like packed the thing completely full with uh, arcade machines. It is just a maze of arcade machines all side by side lined up throughout it. Uh, it's definitely quantity over quality. The machines are kind of in differing states of condition. Some of them don't work, some of them do work. Um, I would say, though, there's the sheer number that are working is just enough to to be worth going and checking that out sometime if you ever do. Um, I ended up playing Cliffhanger, which is that, uh, uh, what's that game or that movie? The Castle of Cagliostro, the Lupin movie. They made like a uh, FMV game out of it, similar to like Dragon's Lair. Um, and you have to like sit there and like put in directions, like in coordination with like the movie itself. Um, and I was not a fan of that. <laughs> Uh, I think something like Battle Heat maybe uh, is a little bit more interesting to me since that has a little bit more of a like uh, player um, interactivity to it. Where something like um, Cliffhanger just feels like a bunch of uh, quick time events. And uh, a lot of times the quick time events, they, they I think if I remember correctly, they just say act and they don't give you any information really. So you have to kind of like just look at what's happening on screen. And, like, there's some weird stuff where it's like, oh, when Lupin throws the money out of the back of the car, you have to press the hands button. And if you don't press it, you die. And it's like, why is Lupin dying if he doesn't throw the money out of the car? Like, I don't know. I guess, like, I think it's to cover up the window of the car behind it. I don't know. It's really kind of weird. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I didn't think that through super well. Sorry. But... But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't love it. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see that at the very least. Um, I also played Gaiopolis, uh, which is like kind of like a isometric D&D style game. Very, or at least to me, reminded me a lot of the Capcom uh, Dungeons & Dragons games. I thought that was kind of fun. It's a Konami game. Um, pretty simple overall. Just kind of smash the attack button and occasionally get a spell and cast a spell. And things like that. Um, I think it's two players at the very least, or at least the cabinet I was on. Uh, and you could pick between like one or three characters, like the big, like, you know, DD lizard guy. There's just, like a more normal all around her sword guy. There's the fast, uh, like, cat girl with like batons you can smack people with and things like that. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, I played the first Funky Fighter, which is like a nine button like game similar to like, I don't know. It's got like nine buttons on the, 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 uh, um arcade cabinet <laughs> and and they're in like a grid fashion basically and on screen that the like buttons what they align with are are represented by the grid cut up on the screen so it's kind of like a whack-a-mole or something like that but you're hitting the button that corresponds to something on the screen instead um but the machine was set to like super super hard um so I I tried to get through the first stage and couldn't get through it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I I'm just bad, but it seemed like it was really really uh, uh, stringent with the timing and making sure you're basically acting almost immediately to get past that first stage. So I think the machine might have just been set to a hard setting, though. Personally, um, and I also played Zwackery, 
which is a little like wizard game where um, you have like a dial and that like determines like where you point your sword out and uh, you can walk around and like walk into people and things like that. It's kind of a weird control scheme. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like Die by the Sword on the PC, if you remember that. That's that Treyarch game where you use a mouse or joystick to move a sword around in like full 3D. Um, Draconis is a part of the series, but Draconis doesn't really have these controls. It kind of tries to replicate them, but it, it's like using the analog stick with like the attack button instead. Um, but uh, you can kind of just like freely move the sword hand around wherever you want. In this case, it's a 2D game though, so it just kind of like floats around the character and you can use it to just kind of like walk into enemies and stab them and things like that. So that was kind of interesting. It's it's a, got like a open structure to it as well where you can take different paths to go through. Um, it's really hard. I have no idea where you would end up going. Maybe I shouldn't say it's really hard, but um, I have no idea like where I was and was supposed to be going or anything like that. I just kind of was like meandering about. Um, we only tried like one credit or so. I, I don't think it really, I shouldn't say it's really hard. It just is. It's an arcade game. That's that's maybe the way to put it. The, the the first funky fighter, that is a hard game, or at least the settings were on hard for that. So so yeah. Uh and then we went to around one, but other than the samurai showdown thing I mentioned earlier, there wasn't really much more to say about that. Um and then also uh I went to a Dave and Busters as well, um, because I messed up my flight time and was flying out way later in the day than I should have been. And I didn't have like a car or anything like that. So I just sat at the Dave and Busters for most of the day. Um, I played through all of Minecraft Dungeons, or maybe I shouldn't say all of Minecraft Dungeons, but I did kind of the um, standard playthrough of an arcade uh, session of that. What that means is basically in Minecraft Dungeons, you have a bunch of different places you can choose dungeons you can play on. And then um, as you play through dungeons, you unlock more areas you can go to until you unlock the final area, which is like the underworld area where you fight like a, a behemoth head kind of thing. So the reason I wanted to play this is because, you know, I like card rpgs and things like that in the arcade and this is one of the handful of western ones out there um that you can play and it has a more of a long-term kind of uh equipment aspect to the game itself where when you play the game you're getting little cards that print out equipment there is no account system there is no character progression it is entirely the equipment that you get dispensed out to you um it's i could not see anything on those cards from what i remember that like would say if a piece of equipment was better than another piece of equipment, it seemed more about personal preference of the different types of weapons you want to use in that game. Um, but otherwise, it is, as, as far as more, just like an adaptation of the Minecraft Dungeons game on PC and Xbox, and I think it's on other platforms as well, um, where uh, you basically go and it's just a Minecraft-style dungeon crawler kind of thing. Pretty simple levels in the case of the arcade release, though. A lot of just like getting, you know, funneled between different box boxy rooms and things like that. You're just kind of killing the different ways of enemies on screen. And then how the equipment works in that game is that you start out with basically just a plain set of equipment. So you get like the standard sword, you get your, your naked armor or whatever, and then um, you also get a ranged uh, a bow. And then as you kill enemies, you get these little green crystals that fill up the meter for each of your weapons that you equip. So once you scan the cards, it equips weapons. And if you don't have enough cards, they'll just randomly equip you with random stuff as well. But um, as you fill those meters up, it will go ahead and equip those special 
weapons on you, but once you use them, it begins to drain their energy. So it's basically like, here's your special power ability kind of thing that you're basically equipping to your character, and then otherwise normally just deal with the regular equipment when you're you're playing. And you can kind of like hold on to certain things. So like with the swords, uh, you can like, if you don't use the sword, you can just hold on to your special sword, and then once you swipe, I think it starts to drain it. I think ranged weapons work a little differently, where um, you can use a ranged weapon, and there's a like ammo amount with them with the special ones and so you can hold on to them as long as you want the ammo out just will slowly drain but you know as you're collecting green crystals as far as i'm aware you know that would no longer contribute to you know recharging that weapon at that point so it is it's more of a um you know you kind of want to use it or lose it kind of thing to some extent so um I will say, though, you know, unless you're, like, really into seeing the different types of equipments, I really didn't see a lot of appeal to me personally of playing that game uh, long term. I know my nephew had played it at some point, so he seemed to enjoy it. So maybe it's more of just a kid's game in that situation. Um, but I will say, you know, when you, when you think of, like, card games in Japan, these are usually games that are going to give you a bit more playtime. Um, there are more expensive games. I generally feel like as well because of the card aspect too. I mean, there's like a hundred yen, but you know, when you, when you play those games, like you, they usually will ask you for extra money to print cards. In this case, they don't ask you for extra money to print cards. Um, although you can just pay money and print a card if you want to. I don't remember how much it is per play though. Um, for this, maybe like 75 cents or something like that. Um, but anyways, so, uh, so like, I feel like those are more like live service games in Japan, typically with games like Atoka doll and, uh, you know, Aikatsu and Prepara and things like that. Um, and, and, and Dragon Quest, uh, crossblades, uh, in this case, because it's just equipment drops and the equipment doesn't seem to have any real progression to it, it, it doesn't really feel that way to me. Um, obviously you can keep weapons and things like that, but it just feels very light and not super satisfying for me. And after I finished the final dungeon, I didn't really feel the need to go and play more, honestly. So it would just be, you know, you basically would play again and just get to the diff- the final dungeon by playing different dungeons along the way as well. So yeah, that's, that's my feeling on that. Um, I did, I didn't try the, so if you don't, if you, I've been to like Dave and Buster's and stuff like that, you probably know that there's another card game that's around that's based off the, um, What's that other? It's not Mortal Kombat. Um, it's like the sub brand of Mortal Kombat that used to be around. Injustice is like an Injustice card game. Uh, that was there as well, but I didn't end up playing that. I ended up playing uh, Marvel Contest of Champions, another card game um, featuring Marvel characters, obviously. Uh, and it is a fighting game with like a light, medium, and heavy attack button. And then uh, every time you play, you get a new character that you can equip your team with. So it's a 3v3 fighter. Um, And that was kind of interesting. It is very simple in terms of gameplay. It is very much maybe closer to like what the Samurai Showdown is, honestly, of just like, you know, using lights and mediums to try to open them up for heavies and things like that. There's like some special skills you get as well. Um, But uh, in that case, I think there are stars associated with the characters. So I think there are higher ranking characters you can get. Uh, if you play it without cards, it'll just randomly give you the team of like Captain America, um, the Hulk, and somebody else. I don't remember who the other guy is, um, but or maybe it was Wonder Woman or something like that. No, Wonder Woman is DC. I don't know. Don't ask me. Uh, I think Captain America was in there though. Um, anyways, but uh, and then you print out cards, and I got like Blade and some duck in a mech or something like that. Um, but the the Playtime with that was incredibly quick. So it feels like you're burning through money really fast with that game. Um, Because it just, for very 
short and fast um, uh, fighting game rounds. Uh, it is a competitive game, though, so if you do want to play it competitively, you can. Um, but I, I just personally don't see a lot of value in that game as well. So I've been meaning to get around and play those games for a long time just to kind of give them a look and see, you know, how how they played. And, you know, if it was something where, like, if I really wanted to get that kind of card game experience here in the U.S., that I could do that with those games. But I think they just lack the... Um, like account tracking systems and things like that to make them compelling for more than just, you know, probably a, a play or two. I think the bigger thing, you know, is just like with, with Captain America game or uh, the Marvel game specifically is probably getting cards for characters. Like, I mean, again, they're not terrible games. I just, I'm just not getting what I want out of them in those cases. So, um, there is a, uh, us version of the dragon ball Z card game. That's on the Nintendo switch. I didn't realize that for a long time, but, um, I might end up checking that out at some point. So that's like one of the few cases, but I think I'd rather play through dragon quest monster battle road road. Cause it's been sitting on my, my shelf over there for almost a year now. It feels like, and I'd really like to sit down and figure that out. Although I'll have to like pull up a Japanese wiki and try to play it that way. Cause I don't know what any of the cards do in that game. So, so yeah. Um, what time are we at? 48 minutes. All right, we're going to blast through some news stories here and try to wrap these up real quick. Bon Kaitos 1 and 2 uh, came out. No physical in the U.S. I still need to order my copy. I started ordering mine but ran into an issue. I'm not going to get into it. Um, so rest in peace, but I'm glad that came out. People seem to be enjoying it. The port seems a little iffy at times, but overall seems to be a perfectly fine way to play that video game. And if you're wanting to play something in HD with like slightly touched up models and things like that, and with like, you know, conveniences of modern RPG uh, remake, you know, things like speed up and things like that. All that seems to be there and fine. Most of the issues seem to be very minor and graphical, mostly. Bloodstained is finally getting its last round of DLC. This includes Chaos Mode and Versus Mode. Um, and also Classic 2, Dominique's Curse. Uh, Cl- Classic 2, Dominique's Curse is a sequel to the original Classic Mode. Um, and that mode played more like a traditional Castlevania. Um, I don't remember exactly where it kind of went mechanically, if it was like hardcore for only like, you know, Castlevania one, uh, but Dominic two, uh, or Dominic curse seems to be kind of in that same style. It looks kind of cute. Um, but I will probably never play that. I am interested in playing the, uh, boss rush mode. Um, which is the chaos mode. Uh, that is a co-op online mode. So you basically go through dungeons and or go through uh, boss fights and then also occasionally or in between boss fights, uh, rooms with like challenges in them. And depending on if you finish the challenge or like you can also find chests in those rooms, you can get different equipment that you can take into the next boss fight. So um, I have a friend who's playing on PS4, so I will probably play with them through that content once and then leave it at that. Um, it would be nice to, you know, be able to play the whole game on cooperative, but, you know, I don't think we've had any Castlevania game or game like it really tried to do it, uh, at least without outside, like, the indie space. I mean, Dragon Mark for Death kind of fits in there a little bit, but not, not quite, so. Uh, but yeah, they said they're done with Bloodstained 1 content after this, so as long as it comes out this year, that means finally Bloodstained 1 will be completely wrapped up, so it just took them a very long time. The guy on stream seemed, uh, very relieved to, <laughs> to say that, uh, on there, so... Um, I'm pretty sure Bloodstained 2, if I recall correctly, was talked about in a financial meeting a year or two ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Bloodstained 2 sooner rather than later. Um, I'm interested in seeing what it is. I mean, I, I can kind of t- continue to say, I think like Ritual of the Night for Bloodstained is like a solid first release. I just want to see them do something that has a bit more uniqueness to it. Um, 
compared to the previous Castlevanias. That's what I'm looking for. Um, and so we'll see if that happens. But you know, I've been pretty happy with Curse of the Moon series and things like that. So I'm not too, too down on the Bloodstained name. But Ritual of Night, really solid game. Just, you know, I, I just don't think it really over... I don't think it overshadowed any of the previous Castlevania games that came before it, honestly. Um, but there are some cool things about it. Um, uh, the, the, the Nintendo Direct happened. Um, you know, the big stuff, all you guys saw, Princess Peach Showtime. It looks cute. Um, you know, budget kind of game it looks like. But I think overall, I'll, I'll probably end up picking it up. I don't remember when it comes out. I think early next year. Um, Trombone Hero has like some really cool infrared controls on the Switch where basically you kind of have the Joy-Con in front of you and the IR pointer on the front of the Switch. You can kind of move your hand to and from it and that like controls the different levels of your your character blowing, um, which is actually kind of interesting because like that game has a weird control scheme on on PC where you're like moving the mouse up and down to control like how much the character is blowing and things like that. Um, there's also like a motion version of it as well, where you can kind of just like angle the, the switch Joy-Con and it will like track it that way as well. But the IR pointer version seemed like a lot cooler. I don't know if I'll play that. It is out already. Um, but I thought it was like a neat way to use the, uh, Joy-Con in an interesting way. So, uh, Hop Step Dance got announced. This is the next game in the fitness boxing franchise. Um, it is a dancing game. And so the characters have like different cute outfits and things like that. It seems to be all the same characters and I think maybe a new character as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if you don't know, they've been announcing like the Fist of North Star fitness boxing and Hatsune Miku fitness boxing. This is actually its own game. So um, that comes out uh, in December in Japan. They did not announce it from the U.S., at least in the Nintendo Direct. But the U.S. Nintendo Direct typically is a bit more stingy on what shows up in there. So um, I didn't see there might be an English website for that page or whatever. I would not be surprised if that game comes out the same time as it does in Japan. But we'll we'll see. That's probably the most interesting game to me on there. Um and then also uh, another code recollection got announced. Uh, this kind of came out of nowhere um, where then the another code series, um, which is also called trace memory here in the U S um, uh, is getting not just like re-releases of the original games, but like full blown remakes, which I mean, those games kind of need them because of how they work. Um, but yeah, they're like, they look really good visually, um and and i think they have voice acting and everything as well now as well so it looks really cool um i love how it looks um i'm at the point in my life where a lot of this stuff like i would yeah i would love to play through another code r again and stuff especially another code r on the wii because holy crap that game's writing is kind of a trash fire and i would love to see what they um did to improve it um but uh, it, it's just I I would much rather play something new is just kind of where I'm at in my life with a lot of this stuff now. So um, unless I find like a real good reason to look at another code R uh, recollection, sorry, um, I will probably end up skipping on it. But uh, I think it's really cool. It's coming out and people seem excited for it. And I think that's what really matters. Um, if they did something with Hotel Dusk, I probably wouldn't buy that either. But again, uh, still very cool. <laughs> I, if they announce a new game in the Another Code franchise, I would I would pick that up probably. But uh, just I don't really need to replay these original games. I'm sure they're different enough to basically be new games. But I I I'm good for now. I said that if they do some cool stuff with the Joy-Con, I mean they're gonna do some cool stuff with the Joy-Con. If they're not doing cool stuff with the Joy-Con, then they're not f- doing another. They're not doing a sing game, right? Um, I don't know. I just had that thought. Maybe that might get me to buy. I don't know. I'm going to have to see. (sighs) I don't want to play it again. (laughs) 
I don't know. I'm going to see more. Uh, is it? God. Now I'm in this weird dilemma where it's like, okay, well, what? how different is it? Like, visually, it's obviously very different. Puzzles going to be different. Is it going to be interesting, though? That's the thing with the Joy-Con so far. Nintendo's barely done anything interesting with them. So if Nintendo going to do something interesting with them, I'd be all for it. <laughs> so, I don't know. It might be a wait-and-see thing for me and just see what they do with it. And, like, I guess, I, like, part of me is like, well, if if they just try to replicate DS things with the Joy-Con, but, like, that, you can't, they're so different. You can't just replicate DS things Joy-Con. There got to be new puzzles. I don't know. I'm, like, angry that I thought about this all of a sudden. So, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll convince me. I forget when it's coming out. Uh, I had kind of written it off, but now that I think about that, of, like, the control stuff, that might actually be enough to get me to try it again, and I am curious about how another code R is being written again or rewritten. I don't know. Anyways, I'll update you that as I figure out more, I'm sure. <laughs> and then Sony had a state of play. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth just kind of looks like goofy, good, fun times. I like the cloud on the Segway memes that were going around. Um, I am not playing Final Fantasy VII RPGs anytime soon, though, so rest in peace. I mean, I, I might play Ever Crisis, but not not anything more than that for now. I, I just need to get through Lightning Returns and Ten Two. Those games have been sitting on my shelf forever. I want to get through them. Arkwright's Fantasia is coming first, though. Helldivers 2 got showed off a bit more. Helldivers 2 looks interesting. I'm still kind of on the fence about it because a lot of the things of Helldivers 2 is that like there's a lot of anxiety in that game because you're all kind of locked to the same screen together and your attacks all hurt each other. So there's a lot to be considerate about when you're shooting to make sure you're not killing your teammates. And this version of Helldivers, the sequel, um, it is a behind-the-back third-person shooter. So how do you replicate that in a way where that makes sense um and like there's definitely friendly fire they showed it that in the trailer but i did not get the same chaotic feeling that i got from helldivers which you know it doesn't necessarily need to have it but that was like part of what made helldivers like unique right so i think that is something that they need to try to embrace to some degree so that comes out early 2024 but i imagine we're probably not going to play it until it goes on sale at some point it's pc and ps5 so i'll probably play it on pc um and then at the state of play, I'm I, I saying state of play again. Um, Foam Stars open bait is happening on September 30th to, to October 2nd. Um, PS4 and PS5. I don't think they've said this game is free to play or paid still yet, but yeah, okay. Um, I might end up checking it out. I did end up playing Foam Stars at PAX. I thought it was interesting. Um, I got MVP on the second round, baby. <laughs> uh, but it is. Uh, weird because like the bullets are really slow in that game and it's really hard to aim um but i think i need just more time to figure out like what was going on with it so i probably will try to check out the open beta uh 30th that is a weekend so we'll see we'll see if i check that out i'll have to remember that's the first thing that's two weekends from now we'll see what's happening i think i have a busy weekend that weekend so might not happen but i'm open to checking it out Anyways, thank you for sitting through this low energy coffee boy um, podcast. I think I should be back to full normalness next week. Um, But I kind of just blasted through everything I had to talk about here for the most part. So I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll talk about stuff as it comes up. Um, And yeah, we'll go with that. But thank you guys so much again for listening. Once again, there's a new Hackox video. Go check that out. 
If you want to give money to something that I worked on, uh, Aporia, go check that out. Buy that magazine. I don't get any money for it now, but I got money for writing the article in the first place. So, so go read that article and learn about massaging women and C4 bombs. That's that's the place to do it. Um, and then, yeah, I don't really have any other uh, plans to talk about right now. I need to edit a PCFX fan club podcast thing here. So uh, that should be coming up relatively soonish, but we'll see. We they never know with that stuff because it is a slower process than usual because um, we're like hopping between two different people doing things. So, but um, yeah, that's that. I hope you guys have a great week. Don't get COVID. Bye.